we went to New York City, went to Rockefeller Center and uh, Organic Valley's marketing team and had set up a small farm in the middle of the big city. And uh, they did an excellent job pulling it off. They had a red barn, a tractor, topiary cows and chickens and everything else. And uh, it was just a really neat setup. Got to interact with the consumers quite a bit. We got lots of questions about farming because you, you know you have so many people that are also several generations removed from farming. They just don't um, they don't know, which is fine. They don't know what they don't know, and uh, yeah, they're curious and they're asking you questions. They're like, "You're a real life farmer. You're not an actor." That's what we got more than anything. It's like, "Yeah, I'm a real life farmer. I was milking cows yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. We talk often about how important it is for people to know where their food is grown, know how their food is grown. But today we're going to talk, too, about how they should be encouraged to join the effort to protecting where our food comes from, which I suppose is farms. And I've got a farmer here today, Jordan Setledge. Jordan, you're not the first farmer to be on this show, but I'm really happy to have you. You're a dairy farmer in Ohio. Welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Jordan, we all understand farmers stay pretty busy doing all the stuff farmers have to do. But not too long ago, you were able to break away and go to New York City for a while, which that's occurred to a few people, too, that uh, sometimes, gee, I'm I'm ready for a trip. But you had a pretty unusual trip. And so what was a dairy farmer from Ohio doing in New York City on Climate Week? Well, that's a big question. Uh, yeah, we went to New York City, went to Rockefeller Center and uh, Organic Valley's marketing team and had set up a small farm in the middle of the big city. And uh, they did an excellent job pulling it off. They had a red barn, a tractor, topiary cows and chickens and everything else. And uh, it was just a really neat setup. Got to interact with the consumers quite a bit. And uh, people got to come through and milk a fake cow, but it was about as real as you can get and sit on a tractor, real tractor. And uh, we just got to talk to them and share about what we do on Organic Valley Farms across the country. Well, I can about picture that. So where this was, uh, people that are used to seeing the, the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, was it is it down there in like what is the ice rink? In- yeah, just down from the ice rink. So it, there's kind of a long, uh, narrow um, way between two big, tall concrete buildings that right. lead right rink right to where the the christmas tree is set up and so we are right in that long narrow uh walkway where there's actually usually fountains so they actually drain the fountains and those were all of our little paddocks so that if, were you, set up. if you keep walking away from the, where the ice rink was in rockefeller center and look straight ahead is it saint patrick's cathedral or something straight across the street from you there yeah so we were between the ice rink and uh the, that big church ah see well i've been there i'm just showing off i've been there with so many different kind of farm programs and food programs to get back there and in fact even for the um, american sheep industry association for a while we opened an office uh right there at rockefeller center for a while and then i've had a chance to come in the today show um, talks to people out on the out on the sidewalk which is every morning usually and um been able a couple different times to get farmers strawberry farmers and some avocado farmers 
uh, there on the Today Show. So I know the venue. It's pretty impressive. But none of the ones I've been into were putting something together like you put together. Now, I want to go back to this. So you've got right in the middle of the city. You've got something showing uh, all the elements of farming. You must have been quite a curiosity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It drew a lot of people in and it stuck out. You know, it's just concrete and sidewalks and asphalt everywhere. And here's this red barn, uh, these green cows and a red and white tractor and these little green paddocks that were set up that had little buffer strips around them that had flowers in them. And uh, yeah, it was it was as real as you could make a fake farm in the middle of the city. So I love that. I love it. I love the picture you're drawing. Now, one thing I have to ask, though, why didn't you have real cows? Was that against the laws or something to bring real cows into New York City? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think I'm the one to answer it. I don't know why we couldn't have real cows. But in all honesty, I'm kind of glad that we had fake ones. Just it was a little easier to handle and deal with with uh, as many people that were coming through to have cows that weren't walking away from you. Yeah, well, I've done that before. I mean, once in Indianapolis, we went downtown Indianapolis and we brought cattle downtown. And it went pretty well. But you know what started happening is there's some people that are so um, negative about livestock and how they feel livestock are treated. You you can have around the country start have protesters show up here and there and just stir everything up because they don't like the idea of livestock. Period. In some cases, so you know, I'm it's I can see all those different reasons where it's hard to pull off. Unfortunately, oh, for sure. and cows. They want to see a million people in a day, and it's just best for the cows to stay where cows pastures. Yeah, I like that. I like that interpretation better. Uh, It's that they scare the cows, so (laughs) fine. So you could be there. You could have this really interesting display, a miniature farm, kind of in the middle of New York City, and and how many farmers came back? Oh boy, how many do we have there? We had six or eight, I would say, just off the top of my head, farmers there. And they're from across the country. We had a farmer from Vermont, from uh, Wisconsin, Ohio, Virginia, another one from Virginia. Um, yeah. So we had a handful of farmers. So you show up and like New York starts stirring, not as early as you do usually, because like, I mean, office hours are like 9 a.m. instead of instead of much earlier. So you you're what are you doing? You're standing around there and you got a name tag on and and you just you stand there by the by the exhibits and people walk up and say, what? (laughs) What the heck's going on? You guys brought a farm to the middle of the city. Uh, but yeah, basically we stood out there and uh, we're handing out free cheese sticks to people and uh, there's a lot of signage and whatnot going on as well. And uh, say, hey, you want to come in here and milk a cow? Do you want to sit on a tractor? We'll take your picture. We'll teach you how to do it. We'll show you what we're, you know, what we've got going on. And then we'll talk to you about farming. And partially because there's just so many people in New York City and because it stuck out um, so much. There's just from when we got there until we closed every day, there's just people everywhere. So many people. Yeah. yeah. and. I mean, does it feel much? It feel a lot different than being in Western Ohio. Oh yeah, and the <laughs> day I'll see like two people, you know, my dad and my wife and my kids, and uh, you know, here you're seeing just, just thousands. There's just so many people; it's wild. So they they walk up and they and and they start talking to you. And does anybody just say like, "Hey, what's it like being a farmer today?" Or why is it any different than it used to be? Or why are you worried about the future? Or do you have yeah, to? Be- yeah, that kind of stuff. 
I got lots of questions about farming because you, you know you have so many people that are also several generations removed from farming. They just don't um, they don't know, which is fine. They don't know what they don't know, and uh, yeah, they're curious and they're asking you questions. They're like, "You're a real life farmer. You're not an actor." That's what we got more than anything. It's like, "Yeah, I'm a real life farmer. I was milking cows yesterday." How <laughs> will we do? And yeah, they just kind of asked a lot of questions about you know how you milk cows, where milk comes from, where cows do, what do they do every day, how do you treat them on your farm. And, uh, you know, what sets Organic Valley apart from the other co-ops and companies that are out there selling food. So, you know, that's such an interesting picture. Now, the other thing that's interesting is you chose to do this during climate week. Uh, And how did that happen? How did it happen that climate week in New York was the attention on that? And and we do know there's some people that, that have strong feelings and concerns about the climate. Some think it's not a big issue and so forth. So you not only did an unusual event, but you did it kind of at an unusual time when climate was the feature. So what what was the reasoning for you choosing to be there during climate week? I can't give the exact statistics on it and why and what they those are, but Organic Valley has done a lot of research showing about how our farmers farm across the country and how we farm specifically like on our farm. And that has a huge impact on the climate, has a huge impact on soil, um, air water and all those different uh planet-based issues and so we chose that time or i didn't choose it but i believe they chose that time to say hey you know here's a company that's producing food for americans across the country and we're also doing something for the climate and uh no matter what your opinions are on global warming and other climate issues what we're doing is definitely uh preserving the land preserving uh wildlife preserving um everything for the climate and for the planet in fact, so, I saw something that that you had printed, or Organic Valley did. Organic Valley dairy farmers are using an average about twenty four percent lower greenhouse gases, and I suppose that's lower than what might be considered conventional type dairy farming operations now. Right, and right. that should be a solid number. Like I said, I'm not the statistics uh, master here on that, but. Right. The way that we're farming is more in line with nature and more in line with how ecosystems work uh, just naturally. And we're trying to harness the uh, nature and let nature do what nature does and reap the benefits of that by still milking cows and producing beef and eggs and um, the other products that come from farms. You know, it's a tricky area. I mean, some corporations get accused of, of greenwashing and and in the case of a whole industry, though, uh, obviously, you come to the conclusion that you have a good story to tell. And that there are people that you you want to tell them that story, and there's a marketing angle too, which I'm I'm sure has to be a positive because there are people that are more likely to buy products if they feel feel that they are friendly to the earth or that they do reduce greenhouse gases. And if you can back it up, I I would assume that can translate into more demand for your label. Right. And we can hope so. And absolutely. It's a great story to tell because it's a true story to tell. And it's an easy story to tell. We've got cows and chickens and whatnot. And they're out grazing pastures off. And then they're as they're out there grazing, they're going to the restroom outside. That uh, manure is being digested into the soil. We have healthy soils that are thriving and teeming with life from earthworms to bacteria to fungi. They're trapping carbon. We're growing grass and legumes, which are like a big giant sponge on the face of the earth. So when it rains, the water's staying. Um, they're not getting soil runoff. We're not using synthetic fertilizers. We're not getting we're using high salt fertilizers. We're not having any of that runoff into our streams and ditches and waterways and lakes and oceans. Um, 
uh, as grass grows and it's grazed off, it sheds off root life and that becomes the humus of the soil, which breaks down into your organic matter. And it's a complicated cycle how that works, but that's trapping carbon into the soil instead of putting it into the air. Um, and in the soils where it belongs. Um, while we're doing all that, we're not burning a whole bunch of diesel fuel or using a whole bunch of equipment because the cows are doing the work. Um, yeah, so organic matters on our farm um, have been increasing over the last several years, and that's really exciting. If you look at the soil across the country, organic matters are going down, and you can just look at the Mississippi Delta and where it's dumping into the Gulf and see how much topsoil is being lost, and not to mention how much carbon goes out into the atmosphere and into the system um, underneath those practices. Wow. You know, people listening to this podcast, they might want to hit the hit the button that lets them go back 15, 20 seconds and then play a little slower because you were saying it's so good so fast with all that. I think they need to let it soak in because you had about 25 points that you were pulling through there that they're all important, important points. So when you had a chance to say that um, in New York and several times, I'm sure you were able to go give that explanation. What kind of reactions did you get? Did, did um, I mean, did anybody say, oh, you're kidding me or, oh, I don't believe you? Or did they just say, oh, I had no idea? What what were the reactions? I didn't get any uh, negative reactions on that. And I didn't get anybody that called me out on it. And I guess I don't know why I didn't get more pushback. I When I speak, I speak as truly as I possibly can. And I can use examples from our farm. And so I know what we're doing is making a difference. And so it's easy it's easy for me to talk about it um, and just shoot from the heart. So, but yeah, most people, I did, they were excited to hear us talking about it and they were like, Oh, that's awesome. We're, ex we're excited to hear that there's all these farmers out there that are farming that way. Well, and then the idea is uh, it might modify their own behaviors and then they're going to be having conversations at, uh, you know, at a family dinner or something else or a party. And they'll say, I talked to this farmer and uh, they're in New York, and they made me think about this a little bit differently. And and I think that gets back to what you're trying to accomplish. What I said a little earlier is that there's been a lot of talk about how we need to have consumers better understand or know where their farm came from or, or where their food came from. But I think the one thing that, that was used in some of the information that you had about your event was uh, protecting where your food comes from well where the food comes from are farms like yours and so i thought that was an interesting choice of terms to um, protection rather than just awareness so it seems sort of like it's a, a like a call to action it's kind of like uh you're asking consumers to join you on the front line am i yeah. too much into that no, I don't think so. I think that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, it's important because uh, you want to safeguard where your food comes from. And um, we need to be able to protect the the land across this country. We produce a lot of food in this country and we need to be able to keep doing that for generations and generations to come. And um, there's different styles of farming and there's different opinions on that. But if you can create a resilient system that's not only not hurting your soils, but protecting your soils and improving them from what they currently are and building organic matter, pulling carbon into your soil, um, keeping the water clean that's running off of your farm during rain events. You know, that's important. And I think it's something that almost anybody can get behind. Nobody wants to see dirty streams. Nobody wants the carbon to leave the soil and go into the atmosphere. Um, people want cows and animals that are living a life that's similar to what they would live in nature. You know, our cows are free to roam around and graze on pastures and live a life that's really similar to what they would do in nature. 
Oh, I've said it before on videos, you know, our chickens, if they wanted to, they could run off to Canada. Um, they're free range. They scratch around. They're eating a, a uh, diet that's what they would eat naturally. They're out scratching around eating bugs and grubs and things that I don't want to eat and turning those into delicious golden eggs. Yeah. Golden eggs with uh, with different color yolks is what I've noticed, too. Yeah, you get those nice golden yolks that stand up tall and pretty. You know, that's a sign of a healthy chicken laid a healthy egg. Yeah, most people don't realize this. Go home, crack an egg, and put it in your frying pan. See if it's like it lays flat and it's this this really flat looking yellow versus kind of almost orange and 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 golden as you as you were describing it. So it's different. So you're drawing attention to the fact that that this matters. That it's better if there's more people producing, you know, like you are. So as a result, your co-op. It's not only doing this activity, you're doing other things too. We don't have to go through all of them, but you aren't, you're, you're reaching out in lots of different media and what are some of the other kind of events and ways that you're trying to get the word out other than just the direct contact in New York city? Yeah, definitely. They have a um, social media influence on the different platforms from TikTok to YouTube to all the other ones, Instagram, uh, whatnot, getting the word out that way. We had stuff in subways in the, in the city. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, some big murals painted, uh, commercials, commercials on, I don't know if they're on TV or radio or just on the internet, how that works and it's written on our packaging, what we're doing. Um, so yeah, they're trying to get the word out, doing a great job at it. Well, it seems that if you're trying to take actions of protection and steps that make, make things different, there's a couple ways. One of them is ultimately in marketing. So if you get products on the shelf, and we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes, uh, that's one. I mean, you can increase demand or you can protect demand. So if you can have people looking for products that are grown like you grow products, um, you can say, well, that's one result. Another one that people often think about is political, too. There's a farm bill. There's uh, There are grants to support certain kinds of agriculture. Uh, do you get involved in in that side as well, uh, like farm bill programs or you know special grants to support greenhouse gas uh, emission controls and things like that? That's a great question, and honestly, personally, so for me personally and on our farm, I don't get involved in that, but I do believe that Organic Valley is very involved in that on that side, and um, be completely uh, probably a better question for. Well, else. Maybe it's one of those things, because, again, if you look at back what you're why you do something like this, uh, you want it to you either want it to get better or and, and in part it's protected. It doesn't get worse. And so right. so this gets back to the point that you're a co-op organic valley. And as a co-op, it's owned by the people that are really utilizing the program. So you're paying for this. I mean, it's coming out of your returns, isn't it? So when you you end up having, you know, PR agencies and and others that are posting on social media, somebody's going to have to get paid. And I assume that's coming from the dairy farmer or the other farmers that are just members of the co-op. So um so I think some of that is is how do you sell your neighbors, your other members to saying, but this is worthwhile. We need to continue to be sure that we're investing part of what we're making off of these products and the way we're growing to get the word out. Do you get involved in that at all? Yeah. So I'm involved in a lot of the marketing stuff. I don't get into a lot of the, let's say the argument side of that on what we do and what we don't do. That's, that's somebody else's job. 
No, I love being a part of the marketing stuff that we do, getting out and talking with people, like talking with people like you today and going to New York City. And um, I had the opportunity to go to Expo West with Organic Valley, which is a big trade show for foods. Sure. sure. Foods. And, uh, but yeah, it's important. It's important that we keep our name out there and we keep, uh, you know, that name recognition for the consumers because you got, you know, a million products when you walk into a grocery store and you're getting hit with a million ads every day from shoes to food to medicine to, you know, everything that you can possibly imagine. So, well, I know. I, and actually, I'm just trying to get to that point with you is that there are, over a thousand farmers that are participating in the co-op and you do have to kind of remind each other i suppose that yes we have to invest in these things it's not just a frivolous activity of any sort it's something that's necessary for us to differentiate and i suppose if people choose to join the co-op they're they're making that decision if they join it in the first place so tell me about the co-op a little bit what do all the farmers grow that are in Organic Valley Co-op? I'm sure I'm going to forget some of them, so I'm sorry for that. But now the co-op as a whole, um, dairy is the big thing. You always hear about Organic Valley milk, cheese, you know, or uh, yeah, whatever, dairy products. But uh, they also have a beef side, so they sell burger and snack sticks and meat sticks and whatnot. They have a produce line that sells different produce like Brussels sprouts, the lettuce, the whatever else um they have an egg pool so we grow eggs um turkey mm -hmm. oh, i don't know probably some other products that i'm missing and going over um personally i'm a dairy farmer so i'm pretty much only involved in the dairy side they have the feed pool for farmers so they have a you can call into organic valley and they have a feed department which helps line, which is a really cool program actually because it helps grow line up like grain farmers so this year an organic grain guy and you just grow corn and wheat and beans and um milo and whatever else you grow and it kind of helps connect the farmer to the other farmers like me let's say and i let's say i needed uh, a load of hay and a load of corn i could call the feed department at organic valley and they would help line me up with the somebody from the grower pool and we could get corn and hay and whatnot to, to produce organic do you have to use organic organic grain to be able to in, in your your feeding programs yeah, absolutely. So we're certified organic. Uh, we follow all the NOP, which is the National Organic Program Standards. And we have to be certified organic through a third-party agency. And everybody that ships through Organic Valley has to follow those same guidelines. And then Organic Valley actually, as a co-op, has some extra guidelines that are a little bit more stringent than just the regular NOP. And uh, But yeah, everybody that um, is part of the co-op has to follow those guidelines. And so every pound of feed that is fed here is certified organic. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because on the, the livestock side, uh, you've escaped one of the issues that's an issue on the other side of just the crop side of organic because there's, you know, there there's a bit of a controversy of people that are promoting uh, real organic, they call it, versus just organic because uh, with organic, you can you can produce in a greenhouse and using and not necessarily be in soil. It can be a substrate that's non-soil. And I think that uh, to simplify the the difference of opinion there, it's uh, those some believe that to be organic crops and some of these uh, the produce that has to be grown in soil rather than a substrate. I think you escape most of that controversy uh, with having almost all of your production is based on uh, uh, animal agriculture uh, is for the most part. So um, it's just work in progress, all these conversations taking place. And But I think it's a good sign because it's those people care 
do care about where their food comes from. And, and I think it's it's admirable what you're doing too, to have them kind of join the battle, come in, you know, help us, you know, protect this way of life. Well, let's just take a few minutes about like your own journey. Now, tell me about your farming operation. Uh, how many cows you have? Uh, what what are the breeds? You know, that sort of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, we milk about right now we have about 250 cows in milk. We milk somewhere between 250, 300. Um, we've got about 500 acres. And then I get some feed from a guy that actually used to be an organic Valley dairyman. He's just an older gentleman and he's retired. And uh, so that works out really well. We've got a nice working relationship with him. And uh, yeah, so we've been shipping milk to Organic Valley since 2016. Um, started our transition in 2014, I guess would be the year. Um, and that's kind of a long, rigorous process. Um, grew up on a farm. So I grew up, this is the home farm. You can see it. Red barn, white doors, white trim. Um, but grew up on a farm, didn't grow up organic, didn't grow up on a dairy farm either, actually. So um, as a kid, I told my dad one time, I was about fifth grade, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a dairy farmer. And he's kind of like, yeah. I grew up milking cows. We're not milking cows. And then uh, about eighth grade, I said it again, I'm going to be a dairy farmer. And he's like, you go get a job working for a dairy farmer and you let me know if you want to be a dairy farmer. And so I did. Got a job, worked for a dairy farmer, um, started in 2003 and uh, worked for him on and off. Um, so I was actually in the military, I was in the army for a few years and was going to college, but worked on part time through that. And um, 2014, told dad, said, hey, been doing this now for 11 and a half, 12 years, and I want to be a dairyman. So I said, all right, let's do it. We started a dairy in uh, February 2015, so we started shipping milk and then transitioned to cows and everything else and started shipping organic milk in September of 2016. Wow. Wow. And through all that time, were you in the Organic Valley Cooperative, or did that come after you got started? So that's a wild story in itself. So actually, we started a dairy, and uh, I really just wanted to be a grass-based dairy. That was like my plan or my goal. And the day I got approved to ship milk to the state of Ohio, that night, I went to an Organic Valley procurement meeting, listened to what they had to say. And I was like, oh my goodness, this lines up with what I believe and what we do. And for me, it wasn't even so much about being certified organic. I just had like this vision and this mission of how I wanted to farm. And it's just really in line with what uh, Organic Valley promotes and what their mission is as co-op. And so it was just a really seamless transition for us. And uh, it just lined up really well. You know, one of the things that I know that uh, that has come up before is the concern with how big uh, agriculture has become. Big ag is often what it's referred to. And and I know that in some of the, your programs, I think there was reference to promoting continued small family farms. Um, that seems like a, that's a moving target. I, I can see how easy it would be to be sympathetic to the idea. But when you said you have 250 cows, uh, there are there are people that would have said, "Gee, that's really that's really big," and compared to what we've got in some of our California dairies right now, it isn't very big. But it's right. um, but that that's kind of a, a, a gray area. I'm stumbling around with that because I think it's kind of hard to articulate. When do you become too big to be uh, considered the good guys? <laughs> you know, if you say, "Well, I'm doing this with 250 cows," but someday you may have kids coming into the business or a partner or something like that and saying, gee, we need to go from 250 to 500. Can they vote you off the island? You think it, I've gotten too big to be part of the part of the good guys? Right. I didn't know what you're saying. And Organic Valley has a really good line on what they call um, small family farms. And I don't know it by heart or off the top of my head, but I think the important thing is in what they're really trying to push and promote is that 
the farms of Organic Valley are family run farms. You know, it's my dad and I, and we do have uh, a girl that works for us. It's been a friend of the family since she was a little girl, since she's a baby, actually. But these are, we're all, I don't want to say all, but, and I can say for our farm, but for the most part, Organic Valley farms are these family run farms that are it's a father and a son or a husband and a wife or a husband and a wife and a son, um, something along those lines. It's families taking care of the land, taking care of the cows. And we have this relationship with the land. You know, our family's been on this farm for 150 some years and we know every corner of the farm. And actually, I was just telling a story to a different dairyman this morning talking about, you know, we, we know our fields like we know our animals. We know our animals like we know our friends. And um, I think that that's where you could really draw a line. And I don't, I'm not going to get on here and bash big farms or small farms or any other farms, but there is a difference on farms where you get to a certain size where you no longer are really a part of what's happening every day. You yeah. couldn't tell me who your cow was, and you definitely couldn't tell me stories about all the different cows on your farm. You know, we get to watch our cows live their entire lives out on our farms. And I can remember when certain cows were babies and tell you stories about when she was a calf or when she was a heifer and she did this and she had this funny personality or this quirk or that one likes to stand in the corner and they've got names and we know them. And yeah. so I think that's the place to somewhat draw a line there. So, and you know, whether that's 30 cows, 300 cows, thousand cows, I don't know where the exact line is on that, but there's definitely a, a spot that you could say that these people that are claiming that they're running this farm, they don't know what's happening on a daily basis with Mawingu or Felicity or, you know, whoever the certain cow is. Well, that's a really good answer to a tricky question. And uh, I wasn't trying to to be asking a tricky question, but I know it's a hard question that comes up with people. And I think you answered it very well. And I think, and then one other thing that made me think of is when you talk about knowing your cows and um, how early in the morning do you have to know them? When it, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's one of the things that always scared me away from thinking about it. The good grief, you got to be up so early, you might as well be on the Today Show or something. You know, it's uh, so when when's your day start with milking cows? Uh, it just depends on the day, but most days around five. Some days I get up at three thirty, um, and yeah, and then there's a lot of late nights too. So there's a lot of nights where I'm here till midnight or one in the morning, but it's not so much job as it is it's a way of life and um if you got it and it's in your blood like i say it is mine it's like i was born someone asked me the other day when did you decide to be a dairyman like i don't know i think being a dairyman decided to be me and it's just who i am so um it's just a different way of looking at it so but you get up that early in the morning you start milking cows and then you get them all through and when do you start again when do the ones that were the first ones in in the morning have to come back in for the for the late afternoon so actually on our farm, we do a 10 and 7 milking schedule, which is a little different than average. We milk every 16 hours, roughly. It's 168 hours in a week, and we milk 10 times. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it's a different way of doing it. And it's not uncommon. It's uncommon in the United States, I guess, but I stole the idea from my Yeah. That's where I learned about it and for us. Yeah. So... I guess I guess the one thing I want to get back to then is that you've been part of an organization that's getting the word out about your kind of farming and you're building support and you're invested in that through the co-op. You're you've got your own farming operation. You clearly love what you're doing. It comes through just even in this podcast. Thanks. So what gives you the most hope about the next five years? I mean, if you're going to look down the road and see what is it that's encouraging to you, what is that? Hmm. That's a good question. 
Um, I don't know because it depends on who you ask to, you know, the future is always some disaster. And, you know, for me, I live it. I, I love what I do. I love waking up every day and before, you know, getting up early in the morning, I wake up with the cows and they're out sleeping in the pasture and you get to wake them up and bring them up. And uh, I guess it's just exciting to me that we belong to a co-op that cares about that and they care about that mission and, and prolonging and um, saving the family farms across the country. So it gives me a purpose to keep waking up and working my hardest every single day to do a good job. And then also, you know, be exciting that we can expand, they can bring this way of life to other farmers across the country. So I guess that would be the best answer I can give to that. So I've said from the start, you know, I really like Organic Valley. I really like their mission and I've been involved as I possibly can be. And so that gives me a uh, drive to keep going and looking forward to the future. It'd be awesome if instead of 1,600 farms in five years, we could say we had 3,200 farms or 6,400 farms. And uh, we were all farming under a management style that's similar to this. You know, everybody farms a little bit different, but if you're going to be certified organic, you're going to have pasture, you're going to have cows that are out grazing, you're going to um, not be using certain products, and you're going to be trying to work in line with nature as much as possible. So to me, that's exciting. Well, it is exciting. And I, I think that people should feel good knowing that when they're picking up a bottle of your or a carton of your milk, and the the other products that they know, there's farmers like you that are behind it. And uh you know, we wish you well and hope you continue to be successful and, and and congratulations on these programs that you're carrying out. And I suppose if people want to know about Organic Valley, what, just Google it and go to yep. all the Organic Valley site? Go to their, they have a website um, that gives up a ton of information. You can look them up on YouTube. You can look them up on any of the social media platforms. And there's a lot of different stories out there telling what we're doing on our farms, telling what we're doing on our farms and how it's different. And also show they from recipe ideas to how milk's produced and butter's made and all sorts of videos out there that um, people can learn about OB and what we're doing. Well, I tell you, uh, Jordan Setledge, I'm, I really appreciate your being on Farm to Table Talk, and I'm really glad you could get off the farm and go to New York for a while and talk to some folks. And I hope you do that again and come back and visit us again sometime, too. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 